Joining me now is Paul Steinhouse. How are you, Paul? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Have you had a good Christmas, a New Year? Oh, look, there's a, I think I heard a phrase over here, Francesca, that was like, only the British go on holidays. <laughs> and let's just say that I've been back at work since about the 4th, so there's been no summer break. In fact, it is freezing outside. I think the high today was something like minus 8. So... Very jealous of you you folks in New Zealand. Right, okay, I'll move on then. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, doom and gloom. Doom and gloom. Hey, but look, the US government has got something right um, in the way it is offering these free COVID tests uh, to citizens and, um, and the way they're providing it turns out to be seamless. Yeah, I was very impressed. I mean, so we've had this big surge over here, right? Absolutely destroyed people's Christmas plans, New Year's plans. Lots of people still got together anyway and got COVID. Um, and, you know, I think the government's been criticised for not rolling these tests out sooner. But let me say that I ordered my four free at-home COVID tests from the US government. Um, and it was a real breeze, I have to say. It was... It was very refreshing to go to a government service and actually have it work just as you'd expect. Um, you went to a page, you clicked you wanted the COVID tests. Basically, it made it very clear they were free. It was sort of like checking out at a free shop, actually, like the things were already loaded into your cart. So you simply just put in your address, pushed go, and you got an email confirmation that... Um, your COVID tests were going to be shipped out to you in a matter of weeks. Now, we'll wait to see if they do actually end up in the correct timeline. But it's interesting that the U.S. government over here tapped the U.S. Postal Service not only for the delivery of the tests, but also for that digital sort of activation too. So, I mean, the U.S. Postal Service gets, gets a lot of bad press, but I think they managed to nail that one. As you say, we'll, wait and, we'll wait and see when they when they turn up in the letterbox. We will, yeah. yes. <laughs> hey, look, Netflix is having a bit of a rough 2022 already. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they've put prices up over here and in Canada by about 11%. So it's the basic plan's gone to fifteen fifty a month, which actually makes it one of the more expensive streaming services here. We've got things like HBO Max you might have heard of. Um, Peacock and other services, Paramount Plus, and this does put it at the top end of that tier. And it's also the third time they've raised their prices since 2019. So people aren't exactly loving that. But man, if you look at the stock market, not only is uh, you know the US stock market sort of uh, having a having a rough 2022 to say the least, but the value of Netflix has fallen by almost a quarter in a week. So they're spending a ton on content. There's lots more competition in the streaming market. Their growth around, uh, their expected growth numbers haven't been as, as great as what I guess Wall Street's been expecting. And that's a massive chunk to lose a quarter of your company's value in a week. Um, but let's talk about these numbers. Netflix, they're going to be spending this year $230 billion on creating content, which is why they kind of needed to raise their price, right? Because they, they have to deliver all of that technology and also all of that content. Um, and they're really only behind Disney and Comcast, who owns NBC Universal, like Universal Pictures, and Sky in the UK. So they're a big conglomerate. Um, so Netflix is third behind them, and Netflix doesn't spend any money on sports rights. So they are going all out to try to attract those eyeballs. And They'll be wanting to put out some good content if they want people to keep paying these uh, these now very premium monthly fees. But you say you say good content, and here's where I say maybe the approach of just you know churning out 
all this content, this original content, yes. maybe there should be sort of some, you know, sort of editing going on and 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 <sighs> trying to, you know, I mean, there's a lot of rubbish on there as well as some oh, fantastic yeah. shows. So a little no, part of you volume, goes, maybe it's they? time to get a little bit more discerning and, yeah. um, you know, and spend a little bit less and just sort of train. I don't know, would they, do you think they would change that strategy at all? Or do you think it is just about churning out as much content to cater to as many people as possible. Yeah, they wanted as much new stuff on there as possible. Look at Squid Games, right? Like, it, it, it was a show that was not expected to do well in the States. It found an audience, and now it's one of their best-performing properties. HBO is probably the, and HBO Max is probably the opposite strategy. You know, that the, they are trying to curate that content. They've done things like the Sex and the City um, revival and things like that. You know, like, they're really going in on big franchises Netflix is playing volume, I guess. It's, just, everyone says this is the year to wait and see what happens in the streaming wars. So yeah. if they just keep uh, throwing it out there and seeing what sticks. <laughs> Pretty totally. Much, yeah. Thought-provoking, opinionated, enlightening. The Leighton Smith Podcast. It's the Kremlin versus the White House. How did it come to this, whatever this is? George Friedman from Geopolitical Futures does analysis, and George's opinions are thought-provoking. War or capitulation? The history, the present, and the future on Podcast 143. Subscribe now on iHeartRadio and get the latest episode now. The Leighton Smith Podcast, powered by Newstalk ZB.